0: to the Flex Success Podcast, where we teach you how to be less shit. Covering all things science, relating to nutrition, training, recovery, and more. Who knows, you might even sprinkle in a dick joke or two. <laughs> hey guys, you have the pleasure of listening to Dean and I. For the and next... my squeaky chair. <laughs> and my squeaky chair. I've actually tried to um, spray that WD-40 on it. I can't seem to find the spot that it's squeaky. I
1: don't think it works on plastic.
0: Well, maybe it's not, maybe it's the like metal in my chair, the screws or something. Maybe. Anyways, I'm sure you're not here to uh, listen to us argue about why our chairs are squeaky.
1: Or no. are you? Do you
0: want to do a whole podcast on squeaky? Mine's
1: squeakier too? than yours. So basically, I'm winning today and you're a loser. Okay.
0: <laughs>
1: oh, so disappointing. Uh, hi, Dean. Yeah, so we, you said we're, you were going to say that we don't have a guest today, we do have a guest, the greatest guest of all Pepsi Maxes, which is the mango. I like to call Pepsi
0: Poopsie. Because clearly Coke Zero is superior to Pepsi.
1: No, this mango stuff is delicious.
0: No, I actually... Listen to
1: how delicious it is. Ready?
0: Ah. <laughs> it sounds so delicious, Dean. Pepsi mango actually isn't bad, but it's still
1: poopsie. <laughs> what a man.
0: It actually, not the topic of today's podcast at all, blows my mind when people who are trying to lose weight, therefore keep their calories under control, still drink full sugar, soft drink. Oof, yeah. So many no sugar alternatives. We've got creaming soda, ginger beer, ginger ale, not even sure what the difference is. Dean tells me there is a difference.
1: Yep, the colour. And flavour.
0: Who <laughs> oh, no. fuck knows? But anyway, we were also
1: debating, we've been fighting a lot this morning. As you can see, we're very mad. Um and or as you can hear, and we were debating when we were last on this together. And it's been like a good six weeks. I think so. You were right. I was wrong. So we're neutral. So you've got the
0: your chair, yeah. but we haven't released a podcast without a guest for yeah. about six weeks. All right.
1: And then uh, today we're going to talk about managing food cravings. We are, and also calorie distribution. Uh huh. But uh, the last time we jumped on here, I think you introduced people to your BJJ or your Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. Uh huh. Not judo. No. Not karate. No. But BJJ.
0: There's been a lot of injuries since uh, the recording of the last episode where oh. I spoke about uh, why I began jiu-jitsu. So I think we mentioned that there was two reasons why I started jiu-jitsu. And the first one being I've been lifting weights for 10 years. I no longer want to grow muscle anymore. I just want to maintain my muscle mass. And that's proving to be a little bit easy and boring. So I wanted to try a new sport. Reason number one. She's maxed out the gains. No, definitely haven't maxed out the gains. I'm just... I'm just happy. It's fine. <laughs> um, the second reason I thought I'd share with you all for anyone that actually follows me on social media, this won't be news. But for those that just listen to the podcast, I just thought it was important to talk about the second reason to kind of break the stigma a little bit. Um, and, you know, since speaking about it on my personal social media, I've had people message me like, oh my goodness, I struggle with this as well. And I feel really comforted. And, um, I don't know if I can actually talk about it without crying. Oh. <laughs> oh. Uh-huh. Shall we pause?
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: All right, we've taken a short break. I've <laughs> <laughs> yes. had a cry a glass of water in the back. Uh, so, yeah, long story short, I'm 31 now, and I was in a like, pretty shitty violent relationship uh, at the age of 20 and 21. And since uh, crawling my way out of that pathetic excuse of a relationship, I dealt with... Uh, Pretty shitty symptoms of complex PTSD, and they were, you know, violence-related PTSD. Um, you know, lots of nightmares and and guilt and kind of flinching whenever there was fast-moving arms in my head and body. Um, and I, you know, even found it really difficult to watch movies that weren't Pixar. Um, or Disney movies, which are awesome movies anyway, so it's fine. It's true, but it's you know quite limiting if you know there's a friend around and they're suggesting this movie, and I kind of have to grin and bear through panic attacks. And fuck, man, I'm in my thirties. I can't watch an M15 plus movie. It's just ridiculous. And um, you know, a few therapy sessions later, I was suggested to do something called exposure therapy, where instead of running away from things that trigger panic attacks or trigger my PTSD symptoms. I actually purposefully expose myself to them and the idea is that eventually uh, my reaction to my triggers would dull and you know I feel like I gave it kind of a good go but as soon as a panic attack would would start creeping in I would just turn the TV off and run away from it or whatever I definitely can't watch uh, full contact sports on TV that's for sure mm um and dealing with it for 10 years and not feeling like I've made much progress I was just kind of fed up and I just didn't want my ex to continue impacting my life anymore because you know I want him to be behind me um
1: so you did not grade your exposure
0: so I <laughs> I figured the only way to really engage with exposure therapy is to do it in a way where I physically can't turn the TV off and walk away from it I can't say okay let's stop now this is too much like I can in a therapy session or whatever. So that's one of the, well, that's one of the two reasons. The First one being I was bored of just lifting weights. That was the second reason why I started Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu because in Jiu-Jitsu, you team up with another person, they tackle you to the ground and they try and choke you out. And I physically, like good luck trying to run away from that. Like I did try. I like, I'm trying to get away from them, but they're pinning me down and choking me. And um, it's been what, seven weeks since I've started. Oh, it's, it seems it feels probably
1: longer than that. I would say it's yeah, probably been a good two months.
0: And it's felt quite cruel when I started, like cruel to myself because that was really difficult. Yeah, maybe eight oh. weeks then. But it also I feel like was an act of self love because it was a way for me to help myself get over those symptoms. And since then I've watched like full M fifteen plus movies, sat through the whole thing with no <laughs> tears. Um, sure. You know, it's been a been a while since I felt like overcome by by symptoms, and mm-hmm. it really has helped. I don't know if you remember, Dean, I came home from that first class in
1: tears. Yes. <laughs> I remember you just walked in and I just opened my arms. <laughs> and I was like, holy fuck, one, you made it, and two, come here. Because, uh, you know, like obviously I have the advantage of being exposed to you over the last whoa, seven, six, six, seven six years. years. Mm-hmm. We're good at dates. Yeah. A couple. <laughs> and, yeah, we've seen, I've seen huge changes in you in the last eight weeks. And I actually tried to... Um, Discourage Liz to go into BJJ, despite that. knowing how tough she is, because I thought that's a very, very risky way to expose yourself <laughs> to a level of violence and constraint and claustrophobia and all that sort of stuff. And uh, I think your first two sessions were probably your most difficult for sure. And then after that, it's kind of just become a bit of a fun game.
0: It's been fun. There's a bunch of stuff that I'm YouTubing because I can't do, and so I'm having to watch full contact sport on YouTube to try and work out how to do particular moves. Mm. And um, normally, if I was to watch full contact sport, like from
1: mm.
0: welcome panic attack, like there's just no way I could do it. So yeah, I feel like lots of progress has been made.
1: Mm-hmm. And they seem like a really cool group of people. So <laughs> shout, shout out to the Gaylord Brothers.
0: Yeah, Gaylord Brothers.
1: They're, uh, that's where you'll go. And yeah. they all seem like a, a fairly fun group. And although I have not been to watch Liz yet. I don't want and, um, him to. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I'm not good enough yet.
1: I feel like I've come up with a nickname for you based on what you tell me, how you deal with someone lying on top of you. So you had Fabio who called himself, the he had octopus legs.
0: No, that wasn't Fabio. That was was my instructor, Hannah.
1: Okay, Hannah, with octopus legs that you couldn't grab. And you are the worm.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's so true. A lot of the times I get pinned under people and there's particular things you can do with your arms or like to push them off with your hips or like grab their neck with your legs or something. But I feel like I kind of freeze in that moment and forget all the things I'm meant to do. And I wiggle around like a worm. <laughs> <laughs> and I just waste my energy just kind of like flopping.
1: <laughs> what the fuck are you doing? <laughs>
0: That's what someone said to me the other day. <laughs> I was trying to remember this move where I reach over their shoulder, lift my leg up and grab my ankle behind their neck and then use my other leg to swing around. Anyways, I think I grabbed the wrong leg and I don't know.
1: I just, just I just said. sat there for
0: ages like trying to think like which leg is it? Yeah, and someone watching from the side goes,
1: what the fuck are you doing? (laughs) Uh, Oh,
0: the answer is, who the fuck knows what I'm doing? (laughs) I don't know.
1: Just (laughs) trying to survive, you know.
0: Anyways, clearly there's there's still tears, but... It's
1: all about progression. Progress. Exposure, progression, that's it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so we'll kind of end on the note that I wanted to... uh, I feel like I'm a strong, black, independent woman who don't need no man. And the first person to kind of tell someone off for cutting in in a line or like, I'm not shy. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, I feel like I'm I'm fairly confident and outspoken and even those sorts of people can land themselves in violent relationships that they feel difficult to get out of. And I just wanted to kind of break the stigma that violent relationships are only for, you know, weak women who have no confidence. Mm. It ain't true. It's
1: actually a scary thought because I think a lot of people have even said, I would never have imagined Liz, that you could have. Yeah. that. Because you do have this exterior uh, strength that I think a lot of people... Well,
0: and internal. It's not just exterior. Of course, I know, but like
1: people see and they listen and they they probably wouldn't expect it. And it's true. It's a very good message. I think
0: the reason is that um, violence in a relationship doesn't exist in a vacuum. It's not like we had this great relationship and then sometimes he would throw me into walls. It Mm. was like, you know, slowly but surely... He was clearly a psychopath. I've done a lot of reading on um, psychopaths since then and I think that he's a, a... a textbook psychopath. He was really charming and manipulative, and slowly but surely, over the months and you know the two-year relationship that we had, broke down my support network, broke down my confidence, gaslighted me, made me feel like I was crazy, and the things he was doing was normal. So I, you know, there's so much more than just why don't you just leave him?
1: Yeah, it didn't happen the first day you arrived. No, of course, because most people would leave in that situation.
0: Oh, and I would have in yeah. a heartbeat. Yeah, but um, there you go. Reason number two. Tears and
1: all. <laughs> Feels like a difficult time to segue. So I'll do, <laughs> I'll do that seamlessly right now and just say, hey, what are we talking about today? <laughs> Let's seamlessly segue. Well, we- you could kind of segue into exposure. Okay. Maybe. Then you, if, if, Today we're going to talk about urge surfing, right?
0: Urge surfing.
1: And how... As you become exposed to a craving, specifically in this instance, uh-huh. with a nutritional craving, okay, that it becomes important for you to become a little bit more conscious and intentional about how you deal with that craving. I like the segue. Okay. Shame I didn't do it smoothly. I just told her what was- <laughs> I was doing.
0: <laughs> okay. So one uh, issue that a lot of people deal with, with their nutrition, is having intense cravings and they fight it, they fight it, they fight it, they fight it and eventually... They feel so restricted for so long, and that might only be minutes or hours, mm-hmm. but it feels like a long time, that when they give in to the craving, they might have only wanted a few squares of chocolate. They've built it up, and now they eat a whole block.
1: Mm-hmm. So shall we define cravings versus hunger?
0: Oh, yeah. Well, hedonic yes. hunger versus uh, mm-hmm. homeostatic hunger. hmm Me? Yeah. Okay. Good vibes. Uh, homeostatic hunger, <laughs> let me just mispronounce that the first time I said it, is uh, physical hunger. So it builds gradually... Anything could fill it. It could be chocolate, or it could be boiled white potatoes. Mm-hmm. Uh, you feel a sense, like a, a painful sensation, or uncomfortable sensation in your stomach. There might be sounds of your stomach growling. Mm-hmm. So, homeostatic hunger,
1: whereas and then, and food would fix that.
0: Yeah, yeah, and and food would uh, yeah. any food. Yeah. Spinach, yeah. whatever, uh, would would stop the homeostatic. Hunger. Yeah.
1: So, so hunger that exists in the absence of food, but. Dissip- uh, dissipates or disappears in the presence of food. Yeah, yeah,
0: sure. Uh, hedonic hunger, however, we can think of as a craving. It can come on suddenly. It doesn't always build slowly. Uh, you don't actually have to physically be hungry to have hedonic hunger or to have a craving. Spinach or boiled potato will not do. Um, you could eat five kilos of it and still be just as hungry for whatever food you're craving.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so we can think about that hunger existing in the absence of um, physiological hunger.
1: Yeah. So a little bit more of a psychological thing. Mm, yeah. You know, I've always made jokes to people in prep. I could give you a kilo of cucumber before every meal, but do you really think that you'd, you'd want to stop? That's a preload and a half. If I've ever heard of well, one. No. A kilo of cucumber. Could you imagine, I actually knew a guy uh, in Sydney, same as Matt, and he used to do regularly do like one kilo vegetable lots with meals and regularly do like half and one kilo jelly lots with meals.
0: Mm.
1: He was just as hungry. Yeah
0: doesn't surprise me. When your body fat percentage is that low, good luck being full.
1: Yeah, well, good luck being satisfied. Right, yeah. Yeah, definitely full. Yeah. I, stay, I, I think I've lived in a perpetual state of stomach fullness. but also, satisfied. But also <laughs> never satisfied. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. yeah, cool. All right, so I like that.
0: All right, so people tend to have a craving. They fight it. It ends up building. They try and distract themselves mm-hmm. from the craving that they're having. Um, they try and think about something else. And it just doesn't really seem to work. So cool. there's another way of going about it.
1: Yep. And it's known as urge surfing.
0: It's known as urge surfing. Mm-hmm. Why is it known
1: as urge surfing? Why surfing? Because in order for you to surf, there has to be a wave. Uh-huh. And typically when it comes to a craving, we can think of that as a wave that builds up the Yeah. So you have the beginning of the wave, which is where the craving may initially The trigger. Exist, the trigger. And then as the wave starts to grow and become larger, there's a tipping point.
0: Peak of the wave. Peak. Mm -hmm.
1: And then eventually that wave obviously subsides, it crashes, and it disappears. Yeah. Before another wave arrives, and (laughs) then you can't get to the top of the water.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So with urge surfing, instead of fighting the craving, what we're doing is we're accepting that we're having this feeling. We're not fighting it. We're going to acknowledge it uh, without judgment or criticism. It's just there. Uh, if If anyone's ever tried to meditate before and have no thoughts, damn it, why do these thoughts keep entering my mind? You know that you know you can't find the thoughts. Mm-hmm. You just have to accept them, let them pass, and through this acceptance, we sit with the feeling, and we just we just write it out uh, we wait until that peak passes because the peak will pass regardless of if you fill the craving with chocolate or chips or whatever you want at the time or not
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, most people find about thirty minutes is the typical time that it takes them from a craving to initiate to peak and then to start dropping it can be longer for some people, less for others. Mm. So that's why yeah, the biggest not...
1: difference here is we're not trying to distract ourselves and run away from it, but rather fight it. Uh, like I'd probably call like, uh, uh, like conscious intentionality.
0: Yeah. It's a mindfulness yeah. practice.
1: Yeah. yeah. It's cool. I like it. Yeah. Mm.
0: And, um, you probably haven't used it before, Dean, have you? Cause you don't really have cravings.
1: Um, I don't know if I've subconsciously used it or not, or I've just become yeah maybe accustomed to what it feels like to want things that I can't have. Also- Well, tip- you can have it. You just choose yeah, it. Yeah. Also, tip- well, when I say I can't have, I'm, saying I'm referring to myself in a contest where obviously if I consume food above the calorie allotment, that would impact my goals. Uh-huh. Now I can obviously eat what I'm craving within my calorie allotment, but then that comes at a cost of potentially that physiological hunger or homeostatic hunger we're talking about because- the energy density of those foods are typically higher, which means the volume is lower and I don't feel as full. Mm. Um, I, I wonder if, yeah, perhaps I've I've just learned that behaviour luckily through probably having good parents and a good food environment and yeah. never really being subjected to being told that I can't have things. Oh, well, you
0: were a child athlete, so you could uh, tolerate a lot of
1: food. I used to finish my soccer matches uh-huh. by having a – sorry, I used to start the morning with a ice cream blended shake with uh, a fuck ton of myelo, Okay. Right? That thing would have been dense. And then I would finish my game and I would have hot chips with sauce. What both sauce? Both barbecue and tomatoes, Oh, okay. And vinegar. Oh. I'd have all of
0: them. I'm not sure how I feel about vinegar on chips. Hmm. I'm not going to knock it because I haven't tried it, but
1: <clears>
0: I? <throat> I like salt and vinegar chips. Yeah. I don't know about salt and vinegar hot chips. <laughs> but anyways, um, urge surfing is something I feel like, you know, I learnt by fire before I officially learned about urge surfing as a mindfulness practice Mm. and I fought cravings for years I actually dealt with a binge eating issue and it wasn't until I decided to just breathe through them realize fighting them wasn't really helpful and I was just kind of shrugging them off like okay I have a craving but it's just a craving Mm -hmm. like it's gonna go and when I learned about urge surfing, it just made a lot of sense. I was like, well, that's, that's how I managed to overcome, or one of the ways that I managed to overcome binge eating. It wasn't by fighting it anymore. Mm. It was by you know, understanding that no food is bad food, um, not thinking of it as restriction, but rather restraint, mm. um, realizing that for me, fitting in small amounts before the craving gets really big is helpful mm-hmm. um, occasionally. And yeah, urge Surfing, I think it's really important to conceptualise formally like this because instead of it taking people years to understand like it took me, <laughs> mm. learning about it in this way can help them understand it in minutes. Yeah. So we really hope that this little talk uh, maybe serves as another way for people to approach cravings when they appear.
1: Yeah. yeah I think just being even exposed to... Uh somebody saying the same thing in a different way
0: uh-huh.
1: often allows you the opportunity to perhaps learn it a little bit easier. Uh-huh. And hopefully yeah, maybe this is just a different way for somebody to understand what we're talking about, because it is, it is true. I think a lot of the things that uh, people struggle with in the nutrition space and even the training space and even, uh, you know, senses of self-worth and all the rest of it is just that they're not really consciously sitting there and being present with their thoughts. Yeah. You know, even if you look at, like, a lot of the, uh, you know, anxiety-driven type behavior, it's, you know, it's an irrational response to an otherwise rational thing. Mm-hmm. And the craving's kind of the same. You know? Well,
0: you're talking to someone with PTSD, so yeah, well, I, mean, I hear when, you. Like <laughs> It's
1: true. Like, if, you, if you had, say, claustrophobia and you're standing inside a small box, the first reaction is to go, holy fuck. I can't breathe. You know, like, I can't yeah. breathe. But if you leave yourself in that moment and actually start to think of your breathing, slow that down, recognize you're not actually, you know, in a dangerous situation, it's likely maybe not first go yeah um and the level of claustrophobia you know that you will eventually come to it and go huh that wasn't so bad
0: you know and what? The the same. we kind of joked about like the segue between my tears and this mm. and actually there's way more crossover than i thought because it's so true this kind of is i've never thought of it like this until now And thinking out loud we can think of um urge surfing as exposure therapy mm. yep. you're not you're not fighting it you're not trying to like oh why do i feel this way this is so frustrating mm. and
1: but the big, you know, the most important thing though, is it's intentional exposure.
0: It's intentional. Experience. And
1: conscious. Yeah. Because if, again, like if I took you and just said, Hey Liz, I'm going to take you for a surprise today. It's date day. We're going to go and watch UFC. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> like that would be the worst. But the fact that you got to choose to take yourself there, you had the opportunity to sort of stop and think and collect your thoughts. Huh. Um, my <laughs> multiple times on the way. <laughs> you know? Oh my God. Um, and probably while a man was on top of you also. Mm. Um, no jealousy. Hashtag no jealousy. <laughs> it takes a real man <laughs> to let his woman do BJJ, let me tell you. Balls in face constantly. Such a weird sport. Yeah, um, yeah it is. It's, it's intentional exposure.
0: Yeah, no, that's cool. I like it. Um, one thing worth mentioning with, um, sorry, my mind's going quite wild in all sorts of directions right mm-hmm. now. One thing to mention with urge surfing is that... When people are battling with addictive behaviours, we can think of gambling, sex addiction, binge eating is another one, or extreme cravings where people tend to restrict and binge. Um, The urges feel really strong and they come frequently. And the first attempt of urge surfing might be unsuccessful Mm -hmm. uh, because the urges are so frequent and so strong. But eventually we find with urge surfing that cravings weaken or the the size of the wave gets smaller, and so does the frequency. And people usually give in to a craving when the wave is at its absolute peak and it's just about to drop anyways. Mm -hmm. So when you're feeling like it's overpowering and overwhelming, just wait it out a few more minutes. Maybe take a moment to sit in a quiet corner by yourself and breathe through it Mm -hmm. um, and and think about it as an act of self-love, because we know that our lives are impacted greatly by binge eating or living in a body that we're unhappy with, because we feel restricted, and then we binge.
1: Mm. Now, is this something where a practice of, say, something even like journaling those thoughts could be ideal? Yeah. At the peak of the wave. Uh huh. You know, just just so you can actually have a, a visual representation of your acknowledgement.
0: Yeah, and then journaling not as a way to distract yourself. You're not, mm. you know, talking about the fight you had with your mom. you're journaling about what's actually happening, right? what sensations are you feeling in your body, how urgent is this right now, um, what might be the best thing to do.
1: Mm-hmm. And then this all just becomes essentially learned behaviour.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah. you probably won't need to journal or, or take that quiet time every time, just when the waves are frequent and large.
1: Yeah, which is typically going to be... In the, in the
0: beginning. beginning, yeah.
1: And then as you become more and more aware of that, obviously... The, the the size of the wave theoretically would become smaller. Mm-hmm. And then you'd just be kicking back in the uh, the Dead Sea, floating.
0: Oh, checking out your abs. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly.
1: And <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, there's, there's so many cool little, I think, uh, like, I was going to say branches. I was going to say leaves of the branch, but that's wrong. Leaves. But, but more so branches of the tree that, one. that you can take with this that mm-hmm. start to just make it a little bit more like aha. Uh-huh. So some yeah. more aha uh-huh moments. yeah yeah we
0: just want to try and reduce the feelings of restriction Mm -hmm. and urge surfing makes you realize you're not restricted you're just showing some restraint Mm -hmm. and then it's not that that food is always off limits but we just don't want to be uh doing it in a way that we feel out of control consuming in excess at the peak of a wave
1: Mm -hmm.
0: we want to be doing it when you know when it adds to our social relationships or just when you feel like it and you're okay with a small portion of whatever, a controlled portion.
1: Yep. Mm. And now, what if somebody is going through that moment uh-huh. of acknowledging the craving, or and they and they do give in? Uh,
0: I think approaching it with curiosity and forgiveness mm. would be the best way to go about it. Curiosity meaning, like, why why did I give in? Maybe because you're not a goddamn robot and you're a human, and it's very difficult in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, and with what did I say? Not with judgment.
1: Yeah, being kind. Hmm. Yeah. Okay,
0: with forgiveness, forgiveness. I think I said, yeah, that's right. yeah, because if we beat ourselves up and don't forgive ourselves and give up, what's the alternative?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, you're you're stuck with fighting it forever. And how has that worked for you? Mm.
1: Well, this is this like they said. This is typically used a lot in um, addictive behaviours, right? Yeah, So alcohol and all the rest of it. And uh-huh. you mentioned before. There's um, the initial phase is more difficult. Uh-huh. And they, they talk about I think when I when I've read about it in the past is that. You know, if if you have alcohol removed from the house, the first craving is large eventually those cravings dissipate because it's no longer in your face, which is a cool thing. Um, And then with this forgiveness thing, it's the same. It's like if you have a really bad habit that continues to show up, that habit will always be there until it's not. So you have to, like, sometimes take that step back, make the mistake, quote, unquote, be forgiving of yourself, Uh create some more good behaviours make less mistakes, less frequently. And then before you know it, the new learned behavior is the positive behavior. Mm. But I think it's silly for people or it's unfortunate. I wouldn't say it's silly because I think it's probably a natural reaction. It's unfortunate that people don't forgive mm. because I think that the lack of forgiveness is likely inhibiting their ability to move forward.
0: Mm. Yeah. Yeah. The perfectionist mindset seems to, to get a lot of people where they expect perfection from themselves and don't acknowledge progress as being a sign of success. Mm. Um, because when you expect perfection, you're only setting yourself up for failure because who's perfect at anything? Yeah. Except me. And me. Except us two. <laughs> okay. But I mean, what's another, uh, way that people can go about reducing feelings of restriction? We wanted to talk about calorie distribution.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think, uh, like, you know, part of, part of this urge surfing is that you're acknowledging the craving, but not necessarily, uh, giving ins- it, you know, yeah. yeah. Um, but that doesn't mean that you can't have it ever. Mm-hmm. But rather, you may need to learn to have it in a controlled manner. One thing people can do wrong is to bank calories throughout the week
0: uh-huh.
1: in the hope that that means that they can then just eat a tremendous amount of calories on the weekend and dedicate all of those calories to these foods that they've they've essentially not given into all week. Yeah, which is going against the concept of it. Yeah. But it also doesn't mean that 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 theoretically can't be a good implementation either. Just having some more calories on the weekend may afford you the opportunity to have those things a little bit uh, more easily with less stress. Mm. So how do do we manage that, the balance between using some calories to your advantage but not using too many? Yeah,
0: it's a tricky one because uh, I I do this and some of my clients as well like to go out and and eat at restaurants on the weekend. Mm -hmm. And restaurant food, not always but most of the time, is Higher calorie meals than you would make for yourself, and so if they're to eat uh, you know at maintenance calories during the week and then they're eating in a calorie surplus on the weekend, some fat gain is going to occur, or they might be eating in a calorie deficit for weight loss Monday to Friday, but eat in an extreme or you know even a mild surplus mm-hmm. on the weekend, which cancels out the work that they've done during the week, no weight loss occurs
1: mm-hmm.
0: so another way to go about this is to you know. Let's say we'll set up how much you want to eat, remove two or 300 calories a day, Monday to Friday, you know, or or Wednesday to Friday, whatever, depending on how loose you want your weekends to be, and just dedicate a little more to the weekend. So we're just taking away a little and giving a little. What we don't want to do is take away a lot where you feel totally uh, restricted and you feel so hungry and your cravings are building and, Mm -hmm. you know, you're totally mentally preoccupied with food. And then come the weekend, it's a binge and you feel like you've been let off the leash and you don't know when to stop and there's no portion control or it's you're giving all your willpower to portion control. Hmm. That is when I think it's, it's misused. Um, and some people say, Oh no, it's definitely a good thing to bank calories. Some people say, no, you definitely shouldn't bank calories. It depends on your relationship with food. Like if you're totally fine with just taking a little away to give a little more fantastic, go ahead.
1: Maybe but, we can change the terminology from banking to, to piggy banking.
0: Piggy banking.
1: The reason why I say that is because in a bank, you hold a lot of money. You too. Right? Uh, Which piggy means you can hold on to a lot of cash. Uh-huh. And then on the weekend, you're going to pull all that cash out and go buy Ferrari.
0: Yeah. Okay.
1: But then you pour again. So you do it again and again and again. Whereas at the piggy bank, we're just dropping a dollar in. Yeah. Occasionally, you know? And then at the end of the week, we crack open the piggy bank and we eat an ice cream. Hmm. There might
0: be times where you
1: don't want to do that, like in the depths of a.
0: um big weight cut mm-hmm. because the, f- the small amount of calories that you do have is just enough to keep you from being sane. And if you're taking away from that to give to the weekend, then you're going insane. You're not able to support your performance and your recovery and your mood and your energy and your sleep.
1: Yeah. I think this, this conversation is probably primarily centered around sustainable weight loss and then therefore weight management. Yeah. Like, or even
0: weight maintenance. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Weight, yeah. Man- yeah, weight maintenance because it, that's always the case. Like the answer is somewhere in the middle. There's, mm. there's nothing wrong with, as far as I can see, so long as you have a, a good conscious grasp on what you're doing with having a little bit less calories one or two days a week in order to have a little bit more calories for one or two days of the week. So long as you aren't, like you said, then dedicating all of your willpower power on both sides of the spectrum to not overdo it. Yeah, that's so true. And, and like most people probably have a fairly intuitive understanding as to whether or not they're overbanking uh-huh. or not. Yeah. You know. yeah, and if you're unsure, the scales will certainly tell you. Or you, again, you could again just become like like the concept of urge surfing is you could just take a step back and be a little bit more conscious and intentional and think about yourself like, do I really need to take 300 calories out of my diet? Or can I just take out 100? You yeah. know, and what, and what will that give me? And is that enough? Yes, it is. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas if you kind of do it haphazardly or, or with the intention of, I want to bank as many calories as I can so that I can eat as many calories as I can. We all know it's probably not ideal. Yeah. Once every now and then, fine. Like, again, so long as it's a conscious and intentional decision. Yeah. Um, but I don't think that behavior is, will suit you long term, will serve you long term if it's at the extremity, but I think it can serve you long term if it's mm-hmm. in a controlled manner.
0: Yeah. Let me give an example of how I like to use that. We just spoke about in a seven day block, taking a little from the week and giving a little to the weekend. On Tuesdays, Dean and I, for the last, what, two years or more, Have gone to tacos because what else do you eat on Tuesday? Obviously, it's Taco Tuesday.
1: California tacos.
0: And hot chips are up there with one of my two favorite foods that I will never give up. I would give up you before I give up chocolate or chips. I'm aware. Um, And so we have tacos and chips on Tuesday. And what I do is I only have no cheese on my taco, so I save calories there because it only adds a small amount of enjoyment and a fair amount of calories. So, you know, mm-hmm. cost-benefit analysis, says no cheese. I also use a fork to eat only the inside of my taco, which is meat and this mango pineapple salsa. So I'm not eating the bread that they kind of fry with oil on the pan. Mm-hmm. But
1: I eat the chips. because eat some of the bread is not a full taco. Me? Yeah, you typically have a little
0: pick. Oh, maybe. It depends how many
1: chips you got.
0: Maybe. Some weeks I might sneak a corner. But um, I'm... The, 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 bread itself gives me, you know, two points of enjoyment, mm-hmm. but five points of calories. Mm-hmm. So I kind of pick and choose like what really will satisfy me, what gives me the most amount of enjoyment. And I'll eat the chips, even though they're more calorie dense than bread. Yeah. Um, and I still know, even then, even though I'm not having the cheese, I'm not having the bread, but I am having chips. That meal is more calorie dense than a usual dinner that I would have. So earlier that day for uh, lunch and my snacks, I make sure that I go for a lower carb option. So I'll choose like white potato instead of rice and I'll just keep the Kewpie out the mm-hmm. like a, a 80% fat mayonnaise and I'll just use lemon juice instead. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of saving a few cows in lunch yeah. and um, having a, a heavier dinner, but it could be wor- well, It could not worse. It could be even heavier with the cheese and the bread. Mm-hmm. I just, you know, it's not a free for all.
1: No, and but there's no guilt associated with what no. behaviors you're you're embarking on for both sides of the coin. Not at all. You enjoy the meal. Mm-hmm. Your weight stable. Your performance stable. Your energy psychologically stable. stable. <laughs> Definitely not emotionally stable. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So like, again, you have a vet. You, you're you're very good at being intentional. I think too. So and this and that I'm sure is also a, a learned behavior
0: definitely learned by fire not something that uh you know from the womb i've been great at it's Mm. just i've failed so many times and found the right way
1: yeah whereas i've just been allowed to eat a lot because i did a lot
0: yeah
1: just got lucky you know but that's actually quite a scary thought because i could have that that's where i think a lot of people would actually end themselves up and not knowing what the fuck to do when they become adults and all that output goes down yeah i'm just lucky that my output stayed high yeah you know um, Not as yeah. high as
0: when you were a kid though, you
1: know, No, no way.
0: yeah
1: yeah but I'm also now larger so How I'm many kilometers a
0: week would you run as a kid?:
1: uh, A typical soccer player in a 90 minute match will run nine kilometers, um, and then you'd have two hours of training and all the rest of it. so who knows. But I wouldn't do a lot of running throughout the week once the season started in the beginning. Um, but yeah,' it's easy easy 10 Ks on the weekend, no problems. You want to
0: hear what running I do?
1: Yeah. I go uh, the from the couch, little couch little. to <laughs> the fridge. <laughs> you only run when the air fryer's been on for too long. You're, you're afraid <laughs> that the chips have been burnt.
0: Exactly. <laughs> oh, that is so worth sharing because we're going to do something worth sharing at the end. Okay. Get yourself an air fryer, people.
1: We love I, actually it. Had a guy, I actually had a guy ask me the other day, is it worth it? Yes. I couldn't answer and he said, are they better? Are, are chips better in the air fryer than they are in the oven? Uh, I
0: don't know. I think the oven's just a giant air fryer.
1: Yeah, well, that was. I said to him, I said, look, I don't really know. I haven't cooked him in the oven in so long that I couldn't compare. But I would say that I think an air fryer is probably a little bit more consistent in total coverage of crispiness. Yeah,
0: because in the oven, they just sit in one place. But the air fryer has that spinning arm Mm. that flips the chips around. And you can
1: for sure get a crispier chip with no oil in the air fryer or less oil than what you can in the oven. I think the oven requires a bit more.
0: Mm. I'm diggity down with um, air fried schnitty. So instead of using whole egg, because mm. you know the base for schnitty is flour, egg and breadcrumbs, I just do egg whites, flour and breadcrumbs, and then put it in the air fryer. Look, it's no uh, surf life saving club Friday night crispy snitty. Or, or Unas, Or Unas. Oh my God. Anyone from Sydney who hasn't been to Unas,
1: go to Unas. Get yourself the deep fried Camembert.
0: Get the, yeah, deep fried Camembert and the mushroom sauce with the schnitzel.
1: Yeah, Mushroom sauce on a snitty is great. Very un-Australian, but very good choice.
0: Where were we? Oh, so what I'm saying is it's not as crispy as that, mm-hmm. but it's pretty good. Yeah. It's pretty good.
1: You can also do jerky in an air fryer.
0: Yeah. You do the best jerky with topside. Yep.
1: It's really easy. Yeah. Topside beef too. So it's very lean three to five percent fat raw
0: sometimes a little too salty
1: like your attitude <laughs> i don't even <laughs> know what that means but okay having a salty attitude like <laughs> makes you go a bit like Ow, Ow. With your face okay. if it's too much Fair enough. i don't know um yeah i mean that's a that's a good something to share. Yeah. i was going to share joe rogan's One of his latest podcasts with a new name. I don't
0: think we were even up to something we're sharing, but let's just go there. It's fine. Uh, Let's
1: do. Let's do a wrap up. Okay,
0: wrap up today. So urge
1: uh, urge surfing was the first thing we discussed, which is simply being mindful and conscious of a craving that peaks.
0: Yep, and accepting instead of fighting it.
1: Yep, don't try and distract yourself. Just be very, very, very in the moment and mindful. Mm -hmm. Um, Acknowledge it. It's hard to acknowledge. Sorry, it's hard to deal with initially, but that urge is going to subside in severity or in intensity over time. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah it's a cool little concept.
0: Yeah. And then the second thing we spoke about was calorie distribution over the week or even over the day was my second example with the tacos. Um, it's not a good thing or a bad thing. It's context dependent, uh, depending on your relationship with food. If you're okay to take away a little without going mad to give a little without binging, then it's a great idea. Yeah. But if we're taking it to extremes or just don't really have much knowledge around nutrition at all, like what is a few calories to take away and what is a few calories to give Mm -hmm. Then again maybe work on um some foundational nutrition knowledge first
1: yeah just like flexible dieting it's like a a framework of opportunity yeah you know and and people will unfortunately take that and bastardize the fuck out of it
0: yeah because i think even though calories matter they're not the only thing that matters Mm -hmm. and so i think that's where iifym is or macro cameras get it wrong yeah cool Mm. All oh. right, something I'm sharing. You were sharing Joe
1: Rogan. Yeah, look, I can't pronounce this guy's name. I feel like I want to try anyway. But All it right. was it was a, uh, a two-person um, podcast with Graham Hancock mm-hmm. and this guy named Brian, not even going to try. Can I try? His last name, yeah. All
0: right. This is the first time I'm reading it. Oh, fuck. All right.
1: Muir Yeah, Muir Anyway, and that gentleman, the last guy, has a new book out called The Immortality Key. And I just found him incredibly intriguing as an individual to listen to because his recall of knowledge was just outstanding. He could, he could uh, speak out holographics. Is that what it's called? Holographics? Holographics? Holographics. Uh, he could comfortably pronounce Spanish words, Greek words, Italian words. Well. And, yeah, I know all of the Latin language, right? Is that right? No, not Greek. Not but- Greek, yeah. But anyway, he could yeah. do all of that. And mm-hmm. I'm showing my, my um, diversity in language understanding there lack thereof, and uh, he's a lawyer by trade. And this is just a, a big, deep dive into the potential use of varying psychedelic materials in Christianity and life prior to our time.
0: Yeah, so the conception of the
1: yeah. religion. And then, like, you know, where all these, like, cave writings are coming from and, like, you know, if you look at a lot of the cave writings, how they're always, like, half man, half beast... And that's a very psychedelic esque uh, representation of what you see. And um,
0: have you ever hallucinated on drugs before?
1: No. Okay. And they were even talking about like the chalice that they would have given people to drink the wine that being infiltrated with some form of you know a mind altering device and not device uh, ingredient. Yeah, I want to get the book, The Immortality Key. And the podcast itself is like a good two and a half hours. I call more Joe Rogan as well. That's a but, short Joe Rogan podcast. <laughs> yes, and um, I think it's like two hours fifty minutes or something. And it was just super intriguing. Okay. I liked it. It's a book.
0: No, the podcast. Well, the podcast
1: is Joe Rogan's one, obviously. But you and haven't done the book yet. The book is called "The Immortality Key" by Brian M. <laughs> <laughs>
0: is that his last name? Yeah. M.
1: No, he's that Mirror oh. uh, Escu.
0: <laughs> I would use M as well. Yeah, yeah. Hence
1: why yeah. I That's go why for something more. Okay,
0: thank you, Dean. Are you interested in doing the book?
1: Absolutely. He actually narrated the book too, okay. so I think I would quite like it because I. I didn't...
0: What's his uh, mother language?
1: American. He's English,
0: yeah. Oh, he speaks yeah. American?
1: Yeah. Right. No, I know. But I was thinking, I was actually <laughs> thinking accents. of accent. When yeah, he yeah, seven, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, no, he's English speaking. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think he may have even spoken Arabic in that thing too. Man. This dude, and like, honestly, he'd be like, yeah, so this chalice was found like 16,000 BC. And inside it, they found sage, they found rosemary, they found it. And he listed off like 18 ingredients. I'm like, how do you remember that? This name?
0: is off the top of his head on yeah, the Yeah, just sat there and
1: just, just chatted about it. <sighs> he was a really interesting, intriguing dude. There you go. Actually, I was talking to my little brother, Todd, and he said, um, yeah, the moment he recited that piece, I was like, oh, oh I'm in. And then he said, oh, well, I'll just listen to the rest of it. Oh, really? That's Because even Joe Rogan, he said to him, oh, check this out. He goes, do you want me to read it to you, Joe? And Joe's like, you can read that? And he's like, yeah. And then he just goes, bang. And you're like, I don't think that's the same guy. Like,
0: that's so funny. That's yeah, it's really cool. Well, I have a second something I are sharing.
1: <laughs>
0: it's a Tim Tam Slam. Because recently, so at the every second tuesday used to be every tuesday i volunteer at the dog shelter and halfway through the shift we all have coffee and a biscuit together i choose tim tams and i thought everyone knew what a tim tam slam was but i'm realizing that most of the other volunteers are like a tim tam what What? tim tam slam so if you haven't heard of it The Tim Tam is a rectangle. You bite off opposing corners. You stick one corner into a hot drink. It can be coffee, tea, hot chocolate or whatever. And you use the other corner that's bitten off as a straw and you suck up your hot drink into the Tim Tam. And the chocolate just goes all melty and the biscuit goes, it's delicious. It'll like melt all over your hands and you'll look like a disgusting caveman as you push melted chocolate into your face. Mm -hmm. But it's so worth it because it's amazing. It makes a Tim Tam go from a eight and a half to a 10
1: I think it would make tea go from an eight and a half to a ten, but it would probably make a Tim 10 worse.
0: No, you're wrong.
1: Huh. You know what I'm not wrong about? What? Pineapple with beef and it. No,
0: don't start this. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry.
1: I put it out to the people. There was a 75% vote for pineapple on pizza for one is fucking Have
0: you ever done statistics at university, then? Yes. Well, you would know that that is a very biased thing to do. You, what you put out oh, on I your an, Insta story.
1: No, so this is, so I have my client, Kevin. Okay. He hates pineapple and food, hates pineapple and pizza. He put it up. Guess what? What? 75%. Really? And then his mate did it, 70%. All right. And then I did it, 70%.
0: That's so, kind of weird that it was 70 Well, not
1: exactly, but they were all in the 70s. Interesting. So it just means that three quarters of the population, on average, according to the IG statistics of three males, of varying nationalities, might I add. Okay. Different demographics, different cities. Okay. 75%.
0: say that pineapple should be in savory meals
1: should definitely be on pizza okay and then I secondary uh, did the the, the next poll Uh on my meal which is rice mushrooms beef mince pineapple salt and it's delicious you add sweetness into saltiness
0: oh okay
1: anyway so if you're one of the 25% you're wrong based on these well
0: I'm part of the 25% I don't think it's repulsive I like pineapple it does belong on some pizzas but.
1: my all-time favorite pizza as a kid was chicken, uh-huh. bacon, uh-huh. pineapple, barbecue sauce.
0: Oh, that can't be bad.
1: With other vegetables, but yeah, yeah, yeah
0: that's right. That's good. I'm down with that?
1: Bacon and pineapple.
0: Just no big, but, but mince and mushrooms and pineapple. Like I'm not, I'm not against pineapple on in savory meals, just with those. What about things? a
1: beef burger with pineapple though?
0: Yeah, no, that's okay. It's the same same, but different. Uh, yeah. It's
1: just not. Go to Thailand. Same, same, different. No, it's, <laughs> it's
0: not. <laughs> it's not though. Snot, Dean. Snot,
1: yeah. Snot. Anyway.
0: All right. <clears throat> are we doing something we're, we're sharing? Doing, oh, no, no we've done something
1: we're sharing. Now we're going to do shitty choices. All right.
0: Uh, would you rather? Am I asking you or are you asking me?
1: Let's do one each. All right. I'll
0: ask you. Would you rather, A, peel all your nails out of your fingers or, B, pull all of your teeth out of your mouth?
1: Um, n- nails, for sure. Would you? No question. Teeth out of the mouth is shattering.
0: Look, you've got to also, do nails like, 10 times and teeth way more than 10.
1: Yeah. And also, but I can still survive... And do normal shit with no nails in my hands. But my teeth?
0: Imagine making out with no teeth.
1: I've just talked to people like that. You'd never be able to get a sentence in. All right, ask me. Oh, I've had my toenail pulled off twice, though. Gross. Under anesthetic. Did watch them do it. Ew. Very interesting moment. All right. We've asked that one before. Okay.
0: Sorry, listeners, we're choosing a card. Fill the
1: space, let's Fill the space. <laughs> All right.
0: Shall I cry again? We're going to fill the space with more tears. Would you rather? <laughs> yep.
1: Find out for certain that there's a heaven in the afterlife, or find out for certain that we're reincarnated back into this world after death.
0: So, find out for certain if there is or isn't, because I already am pretty certain on that. No, it just says find, find out, out that there certain,
1: is. That there is, yeah. That there's a heaven, yeah.
0: Do I also get to know the criteria of making it to set heaven?
1: No. Heaven can be whatever you want it to be. No, mm-hmm. just heaven in the current, current, um,
0: like a religious heaven. Yeah. Well, I think I'm a really good person and better than a lot of Christians. All well, you're going
1: to do, do is it. say sorry as you die and you'll get in there. Anyway. <laughs> just do that.
0: I don't think I'm going to make it to heaven because I'm an atheist, but I think I'm also a good person.
1: Mm-hmm. So. No, but Yeah. Would you, so let's just say you get accepted into heaven. Okay. All right. So you can either know that or that we get reincarnated into this, back into this world after death.
0: And do we get, so my mum was a Buddhist for a while. So Mm -hmm. the only little bit thing I know about reincarnation from a Buddhism point of view is that if you're a shitty person in this life judged by whoever, then you get reincarnated into like a, um, a cockroach or into like a really crappy family. If you are a good person, you get reincarnated into a privileged position. Mm -hmm. So is that what's happening in this instance?
1: As in you, or is it luck of the
0: draw reincarnated into like whatever
1: i'm gonna say that you're reincarnated into an animal of your choice so it's both of them could be enjoyable this is a, it's a pivotal moment in this game guys you need to have prior discussion to make sure you can make an informed
0: decision. i'm gonna go reincarnation i'd love yeah. to be born as an animal
1: back in this world yeah so you get to live this world twice but in a different life
0: yeah will i remember it as the animal will i remember my past life
1: no, no, it's a brand new life.
0: Well, then who gives a fuck? Exactly. Um, I'm going to be the animal. I'd take
1: reincarnation to what I reckon. Yeah. I don't want to be myself as an older And you said animal of my down. choice. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, cool. Yeah. What animal would you choose? Oh. You can't just choose dog because dogs are the best. No, I, I don't
0: want to be a dog because there's so many mistreated dogs. You just, you, you'd so easily mm-hmm. be in a shitty situation. Um, probably a bird. Is that boring?
1: I'd probably go for a water animal. Personally, because it's a life I haven't and cannot okay, experience no. as a man.
0: Seal, because I get to sunbake and be fat.
1: You stanky bitch.
0: I <laughs> <No>, they <stink. laughs> And I also get to be in the water. Or an um, orca.
1: What about a penguin? Yeah, or a penguin. No, they have to fight the fucking waters where they get murdered That's by the
0: That's true. Sharks, that? um, something where I can be in and out of the water. So okay. I'm probably going
1: to go for seal
0: or platypus.
1: Or that fish that has legs that people put oh, in an aquarium. What are those? Oh, gross. Are they gross. I know. Think? They
0: can walk, but they're also... they got a
1: really fucked up name too.
0: Yeah, they're feral. I know they're what gross.
1: Anyway.
0: Cool. That's a wrap, guys.
1: Yep. Thanks very much for uh, listening, everyone, if you made it this far.
0: What a rollercoaster it has been. If you
1: didn't, you suck. Well, and you can not even know because <laughs> you
0: didn't make it. <laughs> what are we calling this podcast? Tears, cravings, and... Who knows? Oversharing.
1: Mm, okay. <laughs> Thanks for listening. I'm not sure who we'll have on the podcast after us because we never know until it happens. It's true. Uh, but if you've got any inquiries or want to find us, it's all on the same stuff. Just go to Instagram, socials, click the quick links. Flex take underscore you success. Our, yep, that'll take you to all of the important stuff that's worth checking out.
0: Yeah. And if you don't have social media, you're probably a grandma who's too old for our coaching anyways.
1: It's true. Because you also need to know how to use a computer. Mm.
0: It's true. Ciao, everyone. Arrivederci.